Episode 167 of the Drive-By Podcast is sponsored by Les Delices Lafrenet. Five great Montreal locations, including Brossard on Tachereau Boulevard with their newly expanded store. Come and check out all the fine Italian products, custom cakes, pastries, and anything you need. They've got it, including coffee and deli. It's Les Delices Lafrenet. Baton Rouge Grillhouse and Bar. Check them out at batonrouge.ca for the closest restaurant near you, including the hub in downtown Montreal in the heart of the city. It's Baton Rouge, Complex des Jardins on St. Catherine. Check out their fire offer. That is happening until February 25th. Barbecue pork back ribs and creamy potato soup duo for only $30 at Baton Rouge Grillhouse and Bar. This is the drive-by with Freeway Frank. The Drive-By Podcast, brought to you by OwnSpace. Marion, you finally made it. Thank you for coming on the Drive-By Podcast. Absolutely. Flew all the way in from Florida. (laughs) Which is another Montrealer (laughs) who left Quebec to go to sunny Florida to pursue their dreams. I don't blame you one bit. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty nice there. <laughs> yeah, it's a gorgeous place. Why not? Now, I'm going to mention off the top, you have your own merits. We don't need to mention Viva Fry here, but I am going to mention it because I do have questions about both of you as a couple because it's interesting. You're two highly intelligent people. I've watched your stuff, neuroscience. You're mm-hmm. a neuroscientist. Uh, what he does, he's a former litigator and now phenom on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it's very interesting when you both gather at the table with your family, when you have two extremely smart people sitting down, what you discuss, what you talk about. But besides all that, you went to Florida to pursue both of your careers or was it mostly because he had to go there for his deal and then you're like oh, okay florida Neuro, neuroscience <laughs> I'll, I'll tag along <laughs> i'll tag along i could do neuroscience anywhere i'm smart yeah so how did yeah. that happen oh for you? My, my goodness it's a very complicated um it wasn't just an overnight thing we it uh was a decision that we thought about for quite a quite a while it um well first of all we have known dave and i have been uh we, we met in 1999, so <laughs> many, we've been long together for a long time, yeah. and we've seen each other grow both cr- like throughout our, our school, we went, both went to different universities, and then um, pursue our different careers, and you know, we got married and had a family, so we've, we've been through a lot, and uh, I don't know, where do we, we start? We could, <laughs> our, our move to Florida was really, it happened in 2022. Um, and it was during the pandemic that we were here and Dave's career changed from being a lawyer to all of a sudden he was creating content to bring people's awareness to issues that were really bothering him. And and bothering you too. For sure. And it was, co- and, but they were controversial and I am a non-controversial person for the two of us were yin and yang like in every in every way yes we're very different and that's what really brought us together and that's what's really kept us together is it fair to say 
he had nothing to lose and, well, <laughs> and you had a lot more to lose because controversy is something you want to stay away from, obviously, as Absol a neuroscientist. Yeah, absolutely. As a scientist, we typically stick to ourselves, do our research and like politics is just not something we get into. And so during the pandemic, it, yeah, it got really weird because there were policies that were being made based on science. And I have no experience in the policies that were being made or in any in COVID or in viruses or any of that uh, type of science. So for me, um, looking at it, I was still a, an observer. I was, this wasn't research that I was working on. Mm -hmm. I had my own research. I, we also have three kids. And so everything was just, everything was overwhelming. And so I, I have a lot of compassion for people who were going through the pandemic and they just, everyone was in survival mode and trying to you know just survive and people were telling them what to do and they trusted <laughs> that they were being told information that was accurate and for dave and i we were sitting back and saying like we have the the like big decisions to make for ourselves and then also for our children so we i think we really stepped back and and tried to assess everything with um our emotions at bay, that we mm -hmm. weren't too, taking really emotional decisions to to move. However, I think a lot of people saw it as a very emotional uh, move, like that we're uprooting our, our family. Let's and be honest, some people looked at both of you as they did a lot of people who did the same thing yeah. and moved away, like something's wrong with these people. Yeah, like, like, they've lost they, their minds, they, they, right? They wrote, yeah. a lot of people wrote, um, <laughs> wrote him off and, yeah. And a lot of people would, did, like, where I work, most people didn't know who Dave was. Like, he has a following, but not, most people on the street, when we go out, people don't track him down. Once in a while, like, oh, hey, I know you. In right. the airport, you know, someone will come up to him and like, hey, I love your content. And, and, and it's nice. It's really nice. If you, anyone sees him, <laughs> he loves to be... Yeah. Uh, uh, rec like recognized and to talk to people, to fans. It's like you have an instant connection. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like we, <laughs> this is the first time we're meeting. Yeah, it's the first time. But yeah. I know you've had him on the podcast and it's like someone that I know that we were thinking similarly, but also, yes. um, uh, you know, we can have this conversation and you're not judging or you, you, you've put some thought into the, the issues. And that's really all I really wanted to do yeah, is, is to have conversations, not short little sound bites of, uh, or short little texts or phone calls or messages or emails. And that's kind of what was happening during the pandemic. Everyone was in their own little bubble, especially with friends of mine who had their, they're raising their families and having to, um, do what they need to do to, mm -hmm. to, to like I say, to survive. survive. Yeah, it was it really a survival was, mode. It was in a survival yeah. thing, and you had to, um, you had to do what you felt was best for your, for your family. Mm -hmm. So um, we did. He he was trying to go to Florida early on. <laughs> I think before he even ran for. Um, the PPC. Yeah, People's was, Party of Canada. Yeah, so he a, he decided. Yeah. Before that, okay, well, let's move. And I was like, we're not, come on, we're not moving to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's like, no, 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 we're going. Like, this is getting crazy. Yeah. And, and if you know who he is, he's like, really, this is crazy. We're yeah. getting out of yeah. here. He's, a, he's intense, he's, but, yeah, but he's his very brain intense. works at 100 miles an hour because he's an extremely smart man. And yes, uh, by the way, I love watching extremely. his stuff. And same thing with you is 
you know, you're, you're two different people do two different things, but having watched a lot of your content, even though I never read, uh, we're going to talk about that, the brain <laughs> coloring book here, uh, you brought uh, a copy. Yeah. I want to ask you about that too. But, uh, you know, you, you learn a lot about a person, especially when you have, you're stuck at home. Yeah. And uh, like we all were, like you said, mm -hmm. we were all in survival mode and we were all trying to, to find our sources, our true sources for what was happening. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at the person, okay, well, here's uh, Marion uh, Van Horn, and um, she's a neuroscientist. This makes her smart. And here's what she's saying about it, and happens to be, you know, Viva's partner, and here's where they both stand on this. But then at the same time, I would see that and think right away that, you know, you have colleagues yeah. that you've worked in your profession with, and people who don't think like you or like us right. and that must have made it very difficult and also i had my last podcast guest on here abdul who was a comedian who moved to florida who mm -hmm. said people judged him when he made the decision yeah. to move to florida and they didn't even know why and he's all oh, florida yeah so then so that you comes, love trump now yeah, right <laughs> exactly so that's an automatic you face this too yeah people assume that you're making these decisions and they're like oh well how can you love trump how can i'm like who said I love Trump? <laughs> like, okay, so my husband might love Trump, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> at some point. You've never made an opinion I, about it, right? I, have, I don't think Yeah, so. I don't put these yeah. my opinions on social media anywhere um, as much as, as Dave. <laughs> uh, like I said, I like to kind of have conversations. So people that I was working with, I was working... Um, in a lab, so I'm a neuro I'm a neuroscientist, <laughs> which uh, some people won't know what that is because there's a lot of different. It's it's studying the brain. So I work in a in a at the Montreal Neurological Institute at the not at the moment, but up until we moved. That's where you were. That's yeah, where right I was. across right. from the old Royal Victoria Hospital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was born at the Royal Vic. Amazing. And then I went and did my undergrad at McGill in physiology, and then I did my PhD uh, in physiology, in neurophysiology at McGill, and then did a postdoc. So at, um, I was probably 20, 29 when I started my postdoc at the neuro, and my postdoc went on for until I left. Mm -hmm. And so, so someone who's not familiar with how that kind of academia works is typically when you do a PhD somewhere, you do a research project and it can take like between five and seven years. So mine took a good seven years. And during that time, I was studying eye movements, how the brain controls your eye movements. Mm -hmm. And we make different types of eye movements. Like often you don't even think about your how your eyes move around, but you're constantly surveying and making what's known as psychotic eye movements. So your eyes move together very quickly at like very high velocities. And I was studying how you make um, uh, vergence eye movements. So when you move from something far to something near and looking at really like the motor control. So there, you have in your brainstem nuclei that have um, motor neurons and they project to your to the eye muscles and they move them around. So it's, it was a lot of um, recording of uh, the, the neural activity. So your brain really talks in, in electricity. It mm -hmm. makes like you have your brain. The neurons. The neurons, yeah. yeah. So your brain is made up of neurons. Yeah, <laughs> and which are we, we message. Can, they're, they're messengers. messengers. Yeah, they're messengers. They, 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 um, they have a cell body and then they also ha they have um, lots of processes that come off of them, and some of them receive information. Those are the dendrites, and there's uh, one that is an axon that sends information to other 
neurons in the brain. Um, so I was studying these, these motor neurons and pre-motor neurons, and these were uh, neurons that every time you moved your eye in a certain uh, direction, they would start firing. So we say firing because it's like an action, it's called an action potential, and they make all these um, very quick little changes in, in neural, act, uh, neural activity, which is driving the, the eye muscles. So you can think of it if, if you were driving a car and you put your foot on the, on the gas, it's like the more you put on the gas and then the faster it'll go. Mm -hmm. so you, and you can make correlations between the movement and the uh, neural activity. And we make like little um, models to try and explain the correlation. So that was your focus of that study. That was for my PhD. Yeah. So seven years. That took seven, seven years. years. You publish a bunch of yeah, papers. On that. Um, you go to conferences and you, you really, by the end, you feel pretty much like, I can't study this anymore. That's how I felt anyway. Like, I, like, I, I, can't I felt study. that about, about I, the history. Yeah, I can't study eye movements anymore. I can't, I can't anymore. study this anymore. I, I don't know how very, you did it all those years. It's very interesting, it's but it's intense, and then you have to write a thesis, and you have to yeah. um, um, defend it. And then after that, I decided that I wanted to stay in research. It was something... I do really like the research part. The You're able to ask questions. You have a lot of uh, freedom, usually, to be curious and be like, oh, I don't know that much about that. You can read up on it and you try and stick to your research mm -hmm. project, but um, you can still, you know, you have some freedom depending on who your supervisor is and what kind of relationship. But anyways, I finished that. And at that point, we, um, during my thesis, I wrote my thesis over the year that I had our first kid. So uh, I, took a, I took some time off, but also Dave took some time off. At this point, he was working at um, one of the big law firms. So he was, uh, he was a lawyer, uh, but didn't love his <laughs> profession, if you may have heard. So he, Lawyers? Lawyer. What he, are they all he about? He was working you know, downtown, and we had our first child, and he was just like, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Like, he was just sure. He's like, I'm, I can do it for now. He didn't really feel like he was respected within your, like, a low... Um, uh, he wasn't an article. I think he was a lawyer. So, but he was still long, long hours. They were expecting you to do whatever they asked you to do. Mm -hmm. And he decided to take parental leave. As a PhD student, I didn't really get any official time off. I had time that I could... I ex just extended my my thesis mm -hmm. writing period, so it took longer. And I had some support from my supervisor, so that was, I could do it at home. So we were both home in the beginning with our, our first child, and that's when he decided, um, you know, I'm gonna take some time off and just be a dad. Mm -hmm. And that was 2009, so that's like before YouTube or, or anything. But even way back then, in 2009, he was thinking. He already, like, he his knew. mind was there. Yeah, so he took, at I think he took three months off and one of the memories I have is he went to work when, when he went back. Is like, oh, or he went back one day like, hey, how's mom? <laughs> and, like, referring to him being the mom. Yeah, exactly. The, how's mom. Matt leave? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so he's just, in 2009, I would think it was, it's a little um, more normal now maybe. Mm -hmm. Then it was, it was still. A little taboo. Like, yeah, like then for, you yeah. expect to work, you're not going to make your, your way here. You're mm -hmm. not going to move up if you're going to take Matt leave. You're like, you're not serious. Right. And it's like, why? <laughs> There's yeah. no reason. I, I'm coming back the same person. I'm Absolutely. actually, and I'm helping to raise my child. Um, so he took, uh, took 
the time off um, during our first, and they took time off for the second, and then time off for the third. So I'm, he was just very supportive in that way. And yeah. so at the he same, supported you in the beginning because you were at the height of what you were focusing on for your profession. Yeah, for and sure. And then later you would kind of do the same for him by realizing that now he had this opportunity to go to Florida with Rumble and everything that was happening with YouTube. I'm going to support him right back. See, isn't this an yeah. incredible story? Well, no, it's true because it's, you have two professionals, oh, high-level professionals, it's, it's very hard. very difficult. With th uh, three kids now. Three kids, yeah. yeah. And I see it all the time um, with people exactly that. It's like, I didn't marry him because I wanted him to be a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> like <laughs> That also was just not in the cards. Like right. he, I didn't... I'm not attracted to him as a as a, as as the stay at home dad. No. I'm, I'm attracted to him because he's you know outgoing yeah. and motivated and and career driven or just driven for for different things. Mm -hmm. So he he was um, helping, but we were both supporting each other mm -hmm. during during that time during all of them for sure. I'm curious as to how you got into neuroscience at a young age. You know, like mm -hmm. okay, so you said. When you started and you got into it uh, you know, for your PhD and everything like that, but like, okay, so for me, I knew at a young age I wanted to be on the radio. Yeah, like did you? when? Yes, from I remember hearing this voice coming out of the radio and thinking, so you know what I did? Not a very bright kid. Yeah. <laughs> I took a screwdriver, opened the radio to find the voice. I was very, very, very young. extremely young, trying Amazing. to figure it out. Yeah. So for you, is was it much the same thing where you were just? How do you just when they say I want to be a neuroscientist? It's not something you hear every day. Yeah, and you don't hear a five, I, six, ten-year-old yeah. kid in school. I, saying, I, I, I wasn't a five or six-year-old that <laughs> right. wants to be a neuroscientist. Right. So uh, how did for that? Sure. So did you want to be maybe a, sci a scientist? I, I really or? liked science. Okay, and you excelled in science in school. Yeah, probably. I come from a family of scientists. Oh, nice. I'm fourth fourth generation. <laughs> um, my great grandfather moved here to start a. Um, a dairy company. Mm -hmm. They did dairy like ice cream and yogurt um, in the Eastern Townships. Okay. And he was a food scientist. Oh, nice. And then my grandfather was a chemist and he worked at Bishop's. He was a professor. And then my father was a food scientist and he worked for a big company in Montreal making yeast, Lalma. So, um, so you grew I, up in the Eastern Townships? Yeah, I grew up in the Eastern nice. Townships. Just I went to a public high school in Cowansville. Anyone listening? I know well, no. <laughs> yeah. I think so I, I went, went through to, it yeah. once. Yeah, so <laughs> um, one of those community or like so all the different um, school uh, all the different towns in the area would all go to this Same, one. Yeah, one So school. you had Knowlton and I grew up in in Bedford and uh, Sutton, uh, Mansonville. Everyone went to this one uh -huh. high school. And during high school, I I liked the science uh, fair projects. Mm -hmm. So in grade nine, I did a science fair project with my best friend and her father was a physician and uh, he and we were really into sports at this time. So we were both on the basketball team, the soccer team, and uh, he encouraged us and supervised us to do our first science fair project where we looked at uh, the effect of Coke and Diet Coke on running in young girls. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> I, like, I have a very clear memory of, of this um, science exper yeah. experiment or study where we recruited some of our best friends and we had them running on a treadmill. <laughs> it was all supervised by our, our doctor, yeah. but, uh, and he, he, he was, um, very into running. And so he wanted to encourage us to, um, to look at the science, but also in a way that we're, that's really, um, engaging our, 
our interests mm-hmm. because we were interested in like how do you run faster and what's the difference between um, different people and there we were looking at VO2 max and measuring heart rate mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff which I thought was really cool and and um, the health aspect of it was what mm-hmm. I was really interested in. We ended up testing I think uh, four young girls. <laughs> I remember that because that's a, that was the title of our our science fair project, and we we did really well. It was you know it was a short. We had two two, I don't know four people in the end, and what we did was we had some um, running after they, they so they fasted all night, and they had Coke or Diet Coke, and then we wanted to see if they could run further after they've had Coke, which had sugar, versus Diet Coke that had no sugar. And it wasn't, um, you know, in retrospect, very controlled study because you can taste the difference between Coke and Diet, Diet Coke. Coke yeah. And in the end, I think we, we, we did see that they could run further on uh, when they had sugar in their, that was the hypothesis, that yeah. if you have sugar, that you'll be able to go further yeah. after fasting. So that was the idea. And, and really in science, often it's that you, that's the idea. So you need to build a hypothesis and, and test it and then... Um, if you have enough resources, you can test it properly. We obviously, as 16-year-old girls, didn't mm-hmm. have <laughs> the resources to recruit. You had a couple of cats. Yeah, and we had like Coke you know, and a couple of who, people who knew you know who knows where what they were doing the night before and right. they came in. <laughs> anyways, so but that really is what sparked my curiosity in yeah. in um, I guess science and science yeah. experiments. And we went on to the the local science fair and provincials, and so it was. You were exciting. serious about yeah, it, yeah. You know, we made our poster boards, and we just we really liked it. And then yeah. I did it the next year, and up until grade eleven, and so I just liked the health um, science part, mm-hmm. and went to Dawson in health sciences, and like I said, then went on to McGill. So in all, how many years of education for just a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> you said it with a little. Yeah, just, just oh, I don't know. Just it's just like I feel like it I never really yeah, ends. It doesn't end. It doesn't right? end. It's right? like I'm still learning. Yeah. There's still so much. Yeah, I'm always becoming more curious about different aspects. Mm. But I would say in general, I'm interested in uh, how the body works, and then I became more interested in the mind and the brain. Because mm-hmm. um, there's many aspects to neuroscience, right? There's the psychological. There's the physical brain. There's uh, right. So men- I think. What got me into the the mental or the physical mental, yeah. the away from the physiology because mm-hmm. I was studying physiology and that was like how does the pancreas work and the heart and the circulatory system, uh, but then I was doing a minor in psychology mm-hmm. and I think it was the like a, a class in abnormal psychology where you start to see that people are different like what makes one person. Um, this way and one person that way Mm -hmm. and we're all so so different and I think it was the the abnormal psychologies but Mm -hmm. the psychology is looking more about like behaviors whereas neuroscience is looking more at how the brain works on like a molecular level a Mm -hmm. cellular level so that's where I ended up and that's where my most recent research has been in it's looking at um so after I studied all these motor neurons, I said, well, like, there's got to be, what else are we, like, writing up my thesis? There's got to be more to this. Like, it's not just about <laughs> what do I want to do next? And I wanted to study, so the brain's made up of neurons, and those are the, the main, or they're meant like a hundred billion neurons, and they connect to each other with synapses mm-hmm. through um, their dendrites and their axons. 
But surrounding them are this, is this other type of cell called, like they're glial cells. And I had glia. No, glia. Yeah. I had no idea what they were. I was like, oh, I just did a, P I called myself a neuroscientist. <laughs> and also just to, to, to reflect on that, being a neuroscientist, throughout my PhD, I was doing, it was in the Department of Physiology. So I said, and people would ask me, I was like, oh, I'm in physiology. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I was with my colleague, and she goes, I'm studying neuroscience. I'm like, oh, wow, cool, tell me more about that. I'm like, we're doing the same project. And she says she's studying neuroscience, and she gets this amazing reaction. I say I'm studying neurophysiology. I'm like, oh, what's that, like, like a physiotherapist? Or, you know, like, I don't know, mm -hmm. they, there was just this different reaction to neurophysiology, which we were really doing the same stuff. It's mm -hmm. just the way you you sell it sometimes. And that was like a light bulb. Like, so then I started saying, well, I'm a neuroscientist. <laughs> and sometimes it is I, a cool title. Yeah. I have to be and honest. then I like re more recently, we've been doing these things on Instagram. We're like, I'm a neuroscientist. Yes. Like, listen to me. Like, oh, I, yeah. like I'm trying to, I'm supposed to be a joke. Like, if it's not clear, <laughs> <laughs> I try not to take myself too seriously, but <laughs> yeah, um, but it's actually, it was actually funny. Yeah. I think because everybody in the community will, un you know, in your field will understand and get a good laugh at it. And everybody else is like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> like, why about? are you? <laughs> Yeah, it's so that the um, the uh, glia is is more the nervous system, right? And how it comes together with the the brain as well. The the glia are just another type of cell. So An another, another type of it's cell. Another type of okay. cell. They're both um, in the brain, and glia are so it's uh, Greek for glue. And when they first started looking at the brain, they could see that these neurons are electrically active, and you could mm -hmm. record that. So they they developed techniques to do that. And the glia, they're like ah. They're just support cells. Yeah. And so they just got pushed over as support cells. Like, so, yeah. but secondary cells. You know what? Support <laughs> cells are actually are very important. important. Yeah. <laughs> and so they do support neurons, neurons and neurons, yeah. but so they release a lot of substances. They make contact with, with mm -hmm. blood vessels. So they're taking things from the blood and bringing into the brain. They're very um, important and were not that well studied. So I wanted to um, do that. <laughs> the, the brain is is like, look, okay, and I know, like, my understanding of this is very remedial. Okay, so now I'm going to sound like just some <laughs> guy who's, who's asking the silly questions. But it, it is, from what I've learned or the things that I've watched, the brain is kind of like looking up at the sky at night, like you said. It's yeah. This, and you see the, the, the stars, and, and, and it's, it's electrical, mm -hmm. right? And it's just lighting up. You're seeing things above you. Yeah. The brain is always working. It's always uh, yeah. lit up. The neurons are electrified, right? And and it is quite an amazing thing that we have. But like you were mentioning before, I'm curious as to do we could condition our 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 minds and our brains, but our physical brain, what we're given at birth is what we're given, no? Or does that like you said, yeah. we're all very yeah. different people, but do we again, another possibly <laughs> dumb question, but your brain that was given to you at birth mm -hmm. and my brain, we have no choice. That's what we have, mm -hmm. right? Right. So but you can naturally have higher IQ because of what you got? Or a little bit. So there's a lot of genetics involved. Yeah. But so what I ended up studying for my postdoc, the, the research question was how, does, how do early life experiences shape the brain? And I was looking at an animal model, so I can talk more about that. Okay. But the, just the general question was like... How, yeah, we're all born with a brain. Do our experiences later on in life make any difference, or are mm -hmm. we just destined to be the person that we're? That's my be? question exactly, and that's a definite no. Okay. We're we're all born with um, maybe certain uh, natural tendencies or genetic um, predispositions, things like that. Mm -hmm. 
but we do what your early life experiences and what your um, traumas traumas change. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah. they're all influencing the brain okay. so yeah. you're born with all the hundred billion neurons that you need when you're when you're born you your brain is set up in the way it's supposed to be set up in that you have your uh, frontal cortex and your in the front and you have your occipital lobe which is for vision in the back um, it's organized correctly what changes is all the connections between all the different brain areas. And so I was saying before that the neurons have all these different processes and it's those processes that change um, a lot during early development and we call this neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. So that's, a lot of people hear the term with the, yeah, I've heard that. neuroplasticity, <laughs> um, a bit of a buzzword, but during development, your brain is really plastic. It's, it's very... Um, easily changed by your experiences. And then as you get older, it seems it, it gets harder. So some, they say it's um, very plastic from zero to 25. And really in reality, the more you, when, if you really think about it, there's different brain areas develop at different times in your life. Mm -hmm. And so your, your sensory systems, like the parts that develop uh, very early, your, your visual system, your auditory system, your touch system, uh, taste and um, smell, those develop very quickly. Uh, and then things like your prefrontal cortex, which is very important for planning and decision decision making, that continues to develop into adulthood, mm. and it develops at different rates for for different people. Okay. <laughs> and, and so my takeaway from a lot of this, and something I I um, think is important for people to know, is that we develop at different these areas can develop at different rates. Mm -hmm. Um, and so everything's a bell curve. And we, when we look at averages, we see like, oh, you should be, you know, your, your um, prefrontal cortex is, is mostly developed by this age. But for some people, it may take, take longer. More, it might happen a little, it might start a little bit later. So mm -hmm. they might not be good as, at decision making until, you know, and I'm thinking a little bit of my, you know, daughter versus son. And I, found, I find that there's differences in their development. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think it's when you think about it that way, you can have a little more compassion, especially if you're a parent thinking about their their development. That mm -hmm. um, sometimes you can start to think that things should happen at by a certain point, but it's really every development is different, and yeah. um, it happens uh, over time, and that it's shaped by our early life experiences. You hear uh, today, you hear a lot of people talk about you know what you could do for brain health, mm -hmm. and before it was just you know especially in school, I remember it was, we never heard about brain health. Mm -hmm. It was most mostly physical health, you know, what they eat, right, yeah. how many meals a day, brain health, it never, but now you hear about it all the time. And, you know, there's obviously good things you could do for it, and then there's people pushing pills or whatever because this yeah. is gonna make your brain more sharp or whatever, but there are things you could do daily to make right. your brain better. Yeah. To put it in better. It's position. my favorite thing to let's <laughs> talk, talk about, about it. it. Like give us, and it's in our coloring yeah. book. So, oh, it's in the coloring book. Yeah. So go. in the coloring book. Um, so I should just say this is a project that I did over the last year uh, with my colleague Maria Zamfir. She was a uh, PhD student at McGill and at the Neuro, and she she's the one who did all the illustrations, and she was doing these illustrations throughout her 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 PhD, and she found it was a good way to. Uh, when she would learn something complicated, she could break it down and she would make um, these n neuron characters and, and make little stories with them. Mm -hmm. 
So when I moved to Florida, and Dave has this visa that says I am not allowed to work. <laughs> oh, I heard about that. He mentioned that. I go, really? And so, yeah. And so when we, we, we filed our taxes last year, and then and the, the accountant says, so you're a homemaker? I'm like, yes, I'm a homemaker. <laughs> and, you know, I think uh, 20 years ago, that would have really annoyed me. Like, you know, I've worked hard to for my degree. Yeah. But now... Being a homemaker is a very humbling experience. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's very important. So I, I said yes, and I'm very proud of it. Um, so we, we, we got together one day on Zoom. I knew her, but not very well. And I said, what are you doing? Like, what's, what, I want to do something creative in the next year. I have an idea for a book, but I'm not quite, I don't have enough time to really write a whole book right now. <laughs> and I, we decided to make a coloring book that really starts from the beginning. What is the brain? And what is a neuron? What is a synapse? Some things that we've talked about a little bit here. And it goes into a little bit more detail than you would get um, maybe just by googling it mm -hmm. we've put a, we've tried to put a like we've put a lot of effort in the the sequence so that it tells a bit of a story starting from the brain and then going deeper to neurons and glia and um it has where you can color along and then you can also there's activities that kind of reinforce some of the learning and at the end we have a whole section on how do you keep how can you keep the brain healthy and if i can explain it to the book is 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 great for like six to 14, maybe older. Um, but it's also good for adults. Anyone, yeah, I was looking at this. Saying, Wait a minute, this is for kids? <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's <laughs> it. Some people look at it and they're like, oh, it's a coloring book, it's not yeah. for me. But this really, the idea is to make it playful and accessible so mm -hmm. that someone, I think it's really great, like if you're going on the plane and you just want something quickly mm -hmm. to look through. And I believe about 10 years ago, coloring for adults became this thing. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And people were doing it, it for, for, yeah. for mental for, health, kind of like just a <clears throat> focus. And so I to, looked into some in of the, the studies because, yeah, you hear that. And, and they, they have done studies where they show that it decreases stress. So they've done some studies in college students. They'll have them color the Mandela before doing a, an exam. And they, they did find that they would, some of their um, stress uh, tests would decrease would decrease yeah. with um, a little bit of coloring, and you can see it if you sit down and color. It's it's not easy. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> to I, sit I down, suck like, at but, any but, kind of art like that. Yeah, you know, but, a coloring and, painting. But it but it's also it's not even like it's just you've got to kind of shut your brain off in a certain way and just relax. And you're, but you're still doing some motor controls. Your brain is still active, but you're not. The cognitive part is not uh, firing as much. Myth, you only use 10% of your brain. Fact, brain imaging studies have shown we all use our brain even when we are sleeping. So that's, that's BS. Right. It's that, not 10% I, I of anything. Even, I actually don't even know like, what they mean by you use 10% of your brain. Like, I, when the person who says, I don't know what, it, like, I don't, I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> you use Maybe all we're, not of your, using, like, yeah, we're like, not using our brain to our fullest potential. Maybe, Maybe I, I, don't I don't know. But you, yeah, even, so that I think that's a great part. I think the most important thing you can do for your brain is sleep. Period. And that's what a lot of people don't get nowadays for whatever reason. Yeah, right? They're quality, not getting a full night of sleep. Like a quality yeah. good night's sleep is very important, especially for, for children, um, adolescents. Yeah. But um, I think you, when you get to, you know, in your 20s or whatever, sleep is very important for, for mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's not just because your body rests. And that's what we meant, wanted to say there. 
when you're sleeping, your brain is still very active. And once, it's always working. <clears throat> yeah, some really incredible research came out uh, not long ago, like 10, 10 years ago, showing that your brain changes a lot during sleep and that you have this lymphatic system that basically opens up so that you have more clearance of some of your of the um, cerebral fluid within your brain. So you can think of part of your sleep is, is getting like a little wash, uh, getting rid of toxins, metabolites that may build up during the day. And then it's really important for memories. So things that you've learned during the day actually become solidified when during sleep. sleep. Yeah. So that I think people oh. don't really appreciate. No, I, yeah, right? I don't think <laughs> so <laughs> so everything you learned today. What did you learn right, today? What did you learn today? You, when you go to bed, you're it's not just that you're you're thinking about it, but you're you actually have during the day um, so at these it's called um, synaptic strengthening. When you learn, your your synapses are are changing and they're becoming like if you're learning something they become we call it uh, strengthening. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening um, partially in the evening because they've been marked during the day. So something we don't exactly know how, and these are some of the research studies that are ongoing to really figure out the mechanisms. But the takeaway is, yeah, like you need sleep um, to enhance your the memories and the, the learning that happened during the day. Mm -hmm. I like this part here. Playing outside and getting sunlight during the day also helps you sleep better at night. Mm -hmm. Exercise and fresh air, which is something that somehow disappeared over yeah. two years at the beginning of yeah. this decade. We're not going to bring up what I just did. No, but you know what I mean? Like, okay, just so that this this actually, I really got into this and thinking, thinking like, okay, like what do we need for uh, minimum functioning? <laughs> because as uh, we found ourselves during COVID, all of a sudden everything's shut down. I'm a researcher in a lab. The labs are closed. I can't go to work. Like That was my work. I could do some things at home on my computer, but for my projects to continue, I need to be in the lab um, collecting data. So I found myself at home. I'm writing grants because that's how research is funded with mm -hmm. grants. So I can, that's a whole nother rant <laughs> about <laughs> how much effort we have to put in to try and get money to fund grants. Mm -hmm. And you're not paid well as a, as a postdoc and you have to apply for grants and then you get chunks of money for a year and then you have to reapply. And so a lot of your time is writing grants of like what you're going to do and you don't have a lot of support. You have zero support actually. You're, Which is puzzling just, to me. It's, that. It all is very, very, very puzzling yeah. because as um, I just was doing as, as the best I could, but I had, I had kids at some point I was going back. So you, you never get in Quebec. We have an amazing uh, program with, um, maternity leave which we don't which you don't have in the US with that I am extremely grateful raising my kids in mm. Quebec I'll, I'll say that I would not have done well in the US with kids okay. at a young age so my kids are all now 7 and older mm -hmm. they're in they're in school but the daycare systems and that program that they've established is incredible. Mm -hmm. it, it, now that I've left, it's like so. There you go. There's something there, good about Quebec. Very, People hate <laughs> on Quebec all the time. You said something nice. The daycares, that that system, and having and a Canadian mm -hmm. system of having uh, maternity leave and parental leave is just incredible for mm -hmm. for 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 women really to be able to um, work and also take time off to have kids. But the the issue is after a year, it's like you have to go back and uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like time to go back, send your kid to daycare. So that transition I could complain about. Mm -hmm. But as a postdoc, you don't get that because I'm not, I'm not really an employee. I'm, um, I'm a researcher 
funded through grants and not through um, an employee of the university. Mm-hmm. So what was I saying? <laughs> so I took some time off, but then also had to go back. And at that point, I still had young kids, like a baby. Um, so I was um, pumping, <laughs> still <laughs> nursing, but there's no facilities at McGill because they just don't, they're not up to date in that. Uh, so it was mm-hmm. very difficult in, in that respect to mm-hmm. be a, a postdoc trying to have kids but for at the same time. For pe- for, let's say for younger people wanting to get into neuroscience and when I got into broadcasting, my goal was never, I'm going to make a ton of money. My goal yeah. was be as successful as you can be. That will bring you yeah. the wealth, riches, whatever that you will need in life to, to, to live, right? The, your livelihood. But I never was motivated by money. But if you're sitting here saying it's a lot of, it's a lot of work, right? Oh, it's intense. It's not for it's the money. It's ever-changing. <laughs> Uh, you would, but but why? But, uh, we, but it's not for the money. But it's the but I mean, this is of where, discovery. Yes, it's the thrill <laughs> of discovery. But man, I mean, you've committed so much of your life to neuroscience. You know, we throw away money and give away money. You know, as governments f- for nothing, and we don't know why half the time we're sending money overseas to yeah. countries, whatever the case is. And then we have something right here. Follow the science. Well, how about we start by following the how science? How about we fund the science? Fund the science. <laughs> yes. Give the money to the people fund who know the what they're talking about, yeah. and let's go. Uh, this it's to me very is, discouraging. Is, it's very discouraging that to hear why. you say this. I'm sitting here going, "Wow, man, this is to, to, for all the efforts that Marion has put forth." In there. her field of, of expertise, and this is the reward. It's it's ex- that was it's extremely discouraging. You put a lot into it, and I, I see brilliant people applying for grants from the government. Then they don't get it, and so they're writing another one. So it's very stressful that you don't even know if your research lab. I just heard a, a very good friend of mine. He's been in research for his whole life, and the lab is shutting down. They were doing basic research. A lot, what happens is people don't really appreciate the importance of basic research. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I told you right, right from the beginning what I was doing in the lab, it's not interesting. <laughs> to a, it, like a, you really have to break it down and then explain it in a way why it's interesting. But what I was doing on a day-to-day was very nitty-gritty. And so you, you talk to someone like, why would we fund that? That doesn't make any sense. That's not going to solve schizophrenia. Well, it's not going to solve schizophrenia, but we still don't know a lot of the basics of the brain. We don't know some of the receptors and how they change. And during development, we have... So at a synapse, you, um, you release these neurotransmitters and neuromodulators that I'm sure people have heard of, mm-hmm. serotonin and dopamine yep. and glutamate and... Dopamine. Uh, dopamine, GABA. Uh, our favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Um, acetylcholine. All, like, all of these neurotransmitters, they all have different receptors. They're all... And even the receptors are different. So it's just... It's, it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. And, and never... And always changing. Always, yeah, changing through development, Develop, changing yeah. with experience is changing with so much. So we have to design experiments where we really go back and, and look at one receptor and one subtype of the receptor at a certain type of d- development and look, it's like everything has to be really controlled and mm-hmm. have to get rid of all kinds of variables. So it's, it's a very um, important work, but sometimes you can, if you're just to tell someone, it's like, oh, why do we need to do that? We mm-hmm. have, you know, we have cancer that we should be... Um, support or spending Focusing money on, on yeah. yeah so there's a lot a friend of mine she left uh, academia and she's working for a company and she put together this little spread which i thought was quite striking where she took research um 
funded research grants and she put it into some software and it spits out um, the size of the, the letter is how much, uh, size of the word is how much funding it got. So cancer was huge and Alzheimer's was huge and, but uh, these are, these are already the diseases. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're, that's too late when you're, you're funding to, to, to solve Alzheimer's. Before it gets Yeah, there. to treat yeah. it. But why are we have, why is there Alzheimer's? And mm -hmm. so if we know more about how the brain works on a really basic level, um, then that's that's where exactly. we make advances, and yep. uh, I'm more interested in in that part, in the mm -hmm. health aspect of yep. how can we better understand the brain so that we can just understand how we we function mm -hmm. and, and how to keep it healthy. Episode 167 with Marion Van Horn is sponsored by Les Delis Lafrenet, five great Montreal locations, including Brossard on Tashro with their newly expanded store. Check out Les Delis Lafrenet for the best pastries, bakery goods, and Italian products, especially at the Brossard store. They've got it all. You could actually go grocery shopping there now. It's been quite a few months, and it's fantastic. Huge store. You're looking to get a custom cake later on this year. Maybe you're getting married. Work with a designer at lesdelislafrenet.com to get the perfect cake for your wedding day five great montreal locations and voted top bakery in the city for a reason it's les delices la Frenette. it's only happening for about 10 more days or so do not miss it up until february 25th it's baton rouge grill house and bar and their incredible barbecue pork back ribs and creamy potato soup duo for only 30 bucks limited time offer at this special price and let me tell you you're gonna be full when you eat this, you might not even be able to eat it because it's a full rack of their signature barbecue ribs served with fries and coleslaw. That's how much food you get paired with their seasonal favorite, the creamy potato soup garnished with cheese, scallions, and perfectly smoked bacon bits. I love the spinach dip as well. If you're not just dying right now of a hunger when you when you hear this, foaming at the mouth because uh, you're getting hungry hearing me talk about this, then you could also treat yourself this winter with a table d'hôte. Turn any meal into a table d'hôte for 15 including their daily super choice of Caesar or house salad, choice of dessert, choice of coffee, tea, or soft drink at Baton Rouge Grill House and Bar. Today we hear about, the thing you hear about the most when it comes to the brain is mm -hmm. the mental health aspect of our brains. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to, this is something when you walked in to the studio uh, a while ago, it was the first thing I wanted to ask you, I said, oh, I'll keep it for the podcast. <laughs> Back in the day when I was growing up, mm -hmm. we never heard that term mental health, okay? But I would imagine it's always been with us since the dawn of time. We've right. all always have, and I talk about this in my podcast, not knowing anything about the brain or neuroscience, is that we all have a brain, therefore we have mental health because it's the health of our brain. Right. But back in the day, we never learned about any of this stuff, or at least it wasn't a focus mm -hmm. of uh, schools, education. It wasn't a focus, at least when I went to school. Uh, em employers never brought it up. Now, it's all you hear about, mental health, mental health, mental health. It even became one of the biggest platforms for one of the biggest corporations here in Canada, which I think they misuse that platform. Mm -hmm. And they have, in my opinion, they've misused it and actually given people more... <laughs> Mental health, mental health issues <laughs> based on what they've done in the yeah. last little while, including a couple of days ago. But mental health, we all have it. And we all go through tough times. And for some people, more severe. Mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough I could sit here and say, okay, my mental health problems have been minimal. But why are my mental health problems maybe at this moment 
mm-hmm. minimal, but for somebody else, Max. it's it's maxed out to the point where they don't want to live anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very interesting topic, mental health, um, but it's more it's so complicated, and it and to to even to simplify it into something like mental health is like. It's just health. Like, how are you? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, the pendulum has swung from not talking about it at all to now. You ask a five-year-old, and they know what anxiety is. <laughs> like, is like, they have an anxiety. <laughs> well, I have an anxiety disorder. Or so I was at the science center. That's actually why I came. Was on Saturday. There was the science center had an um, an event it was here called, in Montreal. Yeah, at this um, in the old port. Mm-hmm. There's a really nice science center. And they were doing a women and girls in, in science exhibit where they had a lot of different companies and, ho- and ho- the hospital, the neuro was there. And they were trying to promote science to, I guess, to, to girls and, and women. I, I don't love that um, idea of having something special just for gender. For gender. Okay. I think like... You know, science is science. There's for lots everybody. of there was for yeah. everybody. It was for, this was specifically for well, women that, and girls. it was called that, but there was no, nothing that made it specific to girls. But okay. it's, it's like they're trying to encourage women <laughs> yes. to be in in science. Okay. Um, but that's another discussion. <laughs> Anyways, they had all these different booths. It was really you don't buy into <laughs> by the way you don't buy into any of that stuff. I no, know. I I, yeah. I think it's making it worse. Yeah, of like, course, yeah. In the long run, sorry about so, it. So yeah. <laughs> um, we, so we had an, uh, a booth, the the neuro, and we had all different activities we had um a whole brain so you could go and touch a brain like from a from a human cadaver which was like pretty impressive and then they had a neuropsychologist who had um little tests that she would give to someone who came to the neuro if they had um some kind of like a patient who there's all kinds of different patients but let's say someone with epilepsy or someone who had had a stroke they would run them through a bunch of different tests. So she had these tests available that people could come in and, and try it. One was like a motor test to see if, and motor, motor coordination, if you could touch the, um, you know, there was like letter, the numbers on a, on a circle and you had to touch them at a certain, um, as fast as you could. And there was different, different tests that you could do just to test your, your motor coordination. And then I was there with the coloring book and I was giving out um, nice. these little uh, cards that they could color and then there were a few other little games that they could do but what i found was like yeah the kids came up i'm like do you know what a neuron is yeah do you want me to tell you in english or french like <laughs> like i was just like okay i wasn't ready for this like i was kind of expecting and so they are starting to even teach it just basic neuroscience basic brain health mm-hmm. to younger and younger which is good age. i think yeah. it's i think it is important that aspect that yes impor- is important. but then yes. anxiety but yeah should a kid but, know what anxiety is at five maybe i'm a little uh, off yeah i don't i think it's important that they are taught their emotions really i mm-hmm. think one of the biggest things as a population we don't know how we don't know about our emotions we like we have so many emotions a lot of us just try to suppress suppress or like not recognize it and i think especially when you have kids who are developing what we call emotional regulation mm-hmm. is that they need to it's a total normal thing and as parents it's it's very frustrating because they haven't developed their emotional regulation and as parents hopefully we have often we haven't 
you'll have you if you want to test your emotional regulation, have a toddler have a fit in a <laughs> in a grocery store and as you're you trying go. to get out as yeah. quickly as possible. Like it, having kids brings out a a lot of deep <laughs> feelings and yes. emotions because you think they should be a certain way. Um, you're trying to, especially now, we're trying to get on with our, our lives and we're working and we're, you know, and your kid's having a tantrum as you're trying to drop them off at, at daycare. And so I found, you know, as a neuroscientist, I had no training in child development. And so I started actually um, just before the pandemic, I reached out to a colleague who had started a podcast on, it was kind of like a parenting podcast. She was a neuroscientist, <clears throat> also a mother of three, and she had left academia and started this podcast called um, Curious Neuron. And so she was going in and, and interviewing different psychologists who actually were specializing in child development. And I found that really helpful as a parent was to better understand my child's brain and um, how it works and what are what what is normal and what is not normal or and what you find out is like a lot of that emotional regulation and um, is things that are developing throughout the childhood and we have to tr we have to guide them we have to be like their mm -hmm. <laughs> north star and and help them and a lot of the time it takes a lot of energy and I think we don't appreciate how much it takes out of us because. We just try and do that, and then we go to our job. And I, I found I was like showing up at my job. I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I just dropped off you know, one kid here and one kid yeah. at daycare, and I get to work. I'm like, I can't even function. And people say like mommy brain, or that's, that's another thing. But it is, you are just, you are mentally um, drained. And so um, this is kind of getting off topic of the mental health, but it, it was my mental health, I guess. <laughs> was deteriorating. You're speaking um, from experience. But I think like yep. these type of, so I, I'm going to spin it as I think it's important to talk about it, but I don't think the way that um, these blanket terms like mental health, we have a mental health crisis. Crisis. I, to you me, don't think that? Well, I think uh, I don't like saying it like that. I no, think that, that how, how would I think there's a crisis in, in um, and maybe that's the easiest way to, to, to say it is there's a mental health crisis, but I think there's a crisis in that, um, I don't know, people are, are suffering in different ways um, and we need more support from each other and in communities, I think we've lost a lot of our our sense of community. Sense of community, oh, for sure. Like, I think that's one compassionate. of- Being mm -hmm. compassionate. And you know, getting a lot of information and thinking we should be doing everything and comparing ourselves to everyone and and yet then you're you're left comparing yourself and not realizing that you're an individual who's mm -hmm. on their own their own path and things that work for them won't work for you and uh, um yeah you just that's well said <laughs> i mean yeah I don't know. <laughs> and then social media that's a totally different mm -hmm. ball game how that has up the ante, I guess, you know, with mental health. I think people sometimes don't even realize what they're watching on a daily basis. Right. Well, how, much, how much you're consuming. Yes. And you're not giving yourself enough rest time. Yeah. Like that hurts that. the brain, I would imagine, because you're all these messages and then all these ideas. Yes. And then that's where the anxieties come from. It's like, look how well these yeah, people, people are, are living. Mm -hmm. They're in Florida. Look, mm -hmm. look at this perfect family with three kids and they're both successful. And yeah, not true. No, we all are struck. No, and <laughs> no. I'm not speaking for you, but <laughs> no, we're exactly. all struggling. And it's that Life then it comes down to mindset. And yes. so that's also a big, um, 
encompasses a lot, but mindset is mindset. everything. Yeah. Like two people. I was just talking to my friend, do you know, my friend, Melissa Esbag, do you know? Yes. She, uh, she's on my Instagram and, yeah. and I don't think I've ever met her personally, no. but her and I have uh, connected on a few Yeah. Cause so she was, ideas. she was a very good friend and she was yes. friends with Dave's in high, in yes, high yes. school. She seems sweet. Yes. Very nice. And was my, <laughs> She, her, she, her, her daughter, and my daughter are best friends. Oh, okay, cool. So um, during the pandemic, we um, were texting a lot. <laughs> she was, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was texting everybody. It was wild. That's all we were doing during those times. Yeah. So um, what was I saying? Melissa. Yeah. During the see. <laughs> by the way, this happens to me very often. Yeah. I wanted to talk. This is one of the things I'm gonna. <laughs> once we get back to your thought, your train of thought, I lose my train of thought so easily. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that? Yeah, yeah, like, you're talking about something and then you're... No, but I mean, I to the point where I'm Googling it now, like going, is this a precursor to something that's about to happen to me in a few years? I don't know. Or is it just because we're more overwhelmed than ever with all these messages, which right. is what we were discussing. Okay, so now I remember. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we were talking yesterday. I'm pretty surprised. Yeah, I got, so, I got yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, it took me a second. <laughs> the non-neuroscientist. <laughs> what, what, what was I talking to Melissa about? Um, but it, we were talking about mindset and how two people could mm. have the same life and one person looks at it like, man, my life sucks because I don't have that. And then the other person says, my life is amazing because I have already what I have. And for sure, that's something I had to, to figure out for myself, going, going through everything, not just the pandemic, but having kids is very stressful. And so you are, you're comparing yourself to, to everybody. Like, how come that mother can show up at daycare and get to work and she's a lawyer and that scientist how come they've got a job and you really have to be like we have different lives <laughs> and especially for us uh i've had to use humor because i'm like look at our life this is crazy <laughs> like my husband is throwing pumpkins from the roof of our house <laughs> that's why i can't get to work on time he he just asked me to order a thousand pound pumpkin <laughs> i can't compare myself to that person right. and I don't want to trade places with them. Right. But for sure, I found myself in those but mindset, positions. Mindset is everything in uh, sports, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have the problem. Yesterday was the, uh, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. And yeah. I had this feeling that uh, Kansas City was going to make a, a last second run. And mm -hmm. that's all mindset. And Mahomes, when you hear him, quarterback for KC, talking about that at the end, it's like he was so focused and determined, he knew. Down to the last second. Yeah. You know, he was so focused and the, the team, they never a doubt in their mind. That's important. That's everything, right? Believing and having that mindset, even the late Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. the, uh, Mamba mentality, everything he stood for was that very thing that's important. Yeah. Uh, to me, at least, has everything to do with your brain, yeah. which is why you're here. Yeah. To talk about the uh, yeah. brain. Yeah. I mean, I've had to reflect a lot and really go back to the basics like, okay, <laughs> Yeah. What, what's making me me and thinking about what how my brain developed and what where I came from Dave and I came from very different backgrounds and so um, we've been together for so long our brains I think have merged into one <laughs> <laughs> like we joke but we Which like we do we like finish each other's sentences I yes. know what he's gonna my say my wife and I do yeah <laughs> Just, exactly it's weird once you've become you yeah. do become one yeah you know? and well and we met each other when we were I was 17 and he was 19 and that I'm <laughs> I think as a neuroscience, like, wow, my brain was still really developing at that mm -hmm. point. I was, so I, I know I'm on a level, I think that's um, not like what people, how people are dating now. They're meeting later and they're already established in their, 
their their self and at 17 i was still very much um mm-hmm. changing and uh, i it's funny because i've lived in this area since i was 17 i lived um on de Maisonneuve. Oh, okay. So you were around the corner, and I worked pretty much in this area yeah. throughout so this my is, career. Yeah, this so. is my... Yeah, this is your hub? This is my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Dawson nice. and McGill. So it brings back memories this Yeah, area. and then even we were living on Green Avenue. This is my... I worked I on Green Avenue. Did my you? first gig was, radio gig was on Green Avenue. Yeah. So it's I love I, I love the area. It's just... So you do... See, that's the thing about... Oh, I you know stuff. You, you Exactly. You could take the person out of Montreal, but Montreal always remains in you. I remember because I left Quebec for 18 years. Mm-hmm. I was out of the province. I never oh, thought, really? yeah, I was never coming back. I left prior to the second referendum and said, no chance, I'm coming back here. And I only came back for the gig, the radio gig. Mm-hmm. And I've been here back since 2011. But when the thing is, when you're out of Quebec or out of Montreal, all you talk about is Montreal, mm-hmm. right? Anyone who will listen. You'll be in Florida. You'll be wherever you are. Some, oh, and you know, in Montreal, they have the best bagel smoking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I want to see this show. I just came back from this, uh, this uh, in the old port where we had this um, convention, whatever the case is. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the old port. It's just so beautiful. beautiful. European city. You know, and it just goes on. And it's true. You don't realize what you've got, right? Until it's no longer there. <laughs> it's, yeah, for sure. I yeah. love everything about Montreal. And miss a lot of it. I miss the coffee shops. That doesn't. I miss walking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I just, we used to walk to McGill. I would walk everywhere. Walk to get your groceries. That doesn't happen in Florida. No, it's you're like, in but a it's car also like go. I yeah. moved to suburbia too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not living in Miami. I'm living in in communities where you have to drive places. Right. So that's very different. But we were we were becoming a little claustrophobic downtown. You can't get a a place that's suitable for three kids. No. And that's what happened during COVID is I started to analyze like, what do we need to really function? I need my kids to be outside. So that, like, you're, you're supposed to be outside for one to three hours every day. There you go. One, one to three, three hours, now, okay? Think, okay wait, <laughs> one to three hours. Wait, hang on a second. Let's break this down. <laughs> I don't have kids personally. We tried unsuccessful. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have some kids. Yeah. But I don't see kids outdoors. We lived outdoors growing up. It's we were outside all the at one to three hours. We were out like tw- ten to twelve hours. Yeah, that was that's great. And but so, um, do you force your kids? In, to yeah. Go, so during the pandemic, that's when I was really like, what do we? What do we? What do we need? Because we, Dave and I, were both working. Like we both were ambitious and wanted to keep doing our career. Um, but we also wanted. I my kids were are still number number one. So I started thinking, what is the most important thing for them? And it's like they need to be outside and. Uh, we have to force ourselves to get outside. So it's not like, oh, it's, uh, I don't really feel like it. It's raining or whatever. And so, yeah, at some point <laughs> I was like, it's time to go outside. And, and, and you feel so much better. Absolutely. Any parent yep. who has been in their house with their kid, at some point you just, like, you get stir crazy, you get outside and I was like, okay, it's, you feel better. And there are physiological reasons as to why. Because when you're inside, um, let's go back to eye movements, you're making these eye movements, you can only make them so far. Mm-hmm. Once you get outside, all of a sudden, you have this like panoramic Vast, view, yeah. and they've shown that that, um, your, so your eyes are part of your brain, and it connects to parts of your brain that control um, this feeling of, of being calm. So all of a sudden, your stress will, will decrease. You just feel it, you go outside, and now if you're more aware of it, you're like, oh yeah, I can look around, yeah. 
I feel better. Like, so sure, there's still a kid crying, but it's like, okay, but I can look around. And, and so I was doing things like that, making, forcing them to go outside. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, 80% of the time, there were days where you're, you have to be compassionate too, to, mm-hmm. your, to yourself. But um, yeah, majority of the time, you've got to be one to three hours outside, rain or shine vitamin d is important winter or yeah but, or some but then I, so we moved to florida and that's it's that that's not even a, an issue anymore because you open the door <laughs> and it's like we're outside so all of a sudden things that was actually quite stressful for me here because we didn't have a backyard we had to i had my kids were little i couldn't just send them out we live in downtown montreal mm-hmm. so it was me i had to go out with them and we were lucky we lived on a park so i could go out with my whatever I was reading or a podcast and they could play that was fine but I feel for people who are living in high-rise apartments or they don't have those resources to be outside and they're they're working and they have to be at their computer they can't mm-hmm. go out with so at least during the pandemic they couldn't um so that be that um really adds up with the stress mm-hmm. so um yeah, yeah and then when you weren't able to to travel and mm. right where where a lot of people were going on vacations prior to the last couple of years that were able to go anywhere and yeah. then when you weren't able to go anywhere and you were told to stay indoors i mean that affects yeah everything but but so. then again you know the travel part we so we did a lot of road trips and things like that where at, you we have we've come from from times where you know as a postdoc i was making the majority <laughs> of the salary and you know we were we were not always uh working with a lot of money and that's when you you learn that you know it's, it's the experiences that you're building yeah. that you're building that's all and, it is and again, mindset, like going camping for a weekend and getting your kids away from the screens. It doesn't have to be that you're flying to Mexico. I would recommend not doing that because that adds to so much stress. Try the to travel, do something. Yeah. yeah, like traveling is so stressful. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're going to remember. No, they're going to remember. Are, oh, yeah, yeah, like we, we went on some crazy road trips and we... Um, we'd put on uh, music. Dave let them listen to the most inappropriate <laughs> music. Um, my daughter has turned out fine. I'm very proud that she knows all the words to Lonely Island <laughs> and Eminem. And, but she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I, that was part of the experience is that they actually liked going on the road trip. We didn't bring the, the devices. Uh, it was less of an issue I feel when she was younger, that wasn't so um, prominent that everyone had a, a phone, and so she has she has a phone up now. But then we, we were able to just go and listen to music and camp, and it was you know it was cheap, cheap, yeah, cheap, cheap. That's We'd, true. You don't even have to spend all that money and go. No, and I think that goes back to mindset. It's like mm-hmm. we're going to do an experience together. I'm not going to I'm not going to compare myself to the Joneses who are taking their whole family and they look like they're having a great time at Disney. They are not having a great time at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> they, that is the worst place on earth. Uh, worst place on earth. I agree. You know, they are. What's so exciting about yeah, that? Yeah, the parents. Yeah, no, you know, it's yeah. So in, they'll remember that they went to Disney, but parents. Oh my goodness, it is no. so challenging to mm-hmm. travel with kids because again, your sleep patterns. Kids really do well with predictable schedules, um, and so they're going to be off. And and the unexpectedness of traveling for, especially for some kids, it's like very overwhelming. Mm-hmm to they don't know what's coming i know you know some kids are just more sensitive and Mm. i can see that with my my youngest is 
he needs, he doesn't really do well when we do those like very spontaneous, let's go to Disney or whatever. Like, where are we going? <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, you know, like, I, I, I don't know what's happening. And so then yeah. I, the stress comes out and, and mis what looks like misbehavior, but it's really is stressed for what's going on. I yeah. don't know. I think people have forgotten that the most, like you, you just mentioned, you know, the, the best holidays, the best memories are closer to you than you think. That's why so many people thrive. The people who lived, uh, you know, outside of the cities during the pandemic hmm. thrived because they had a bit more space. They had a, a bit more, um, uh, you know, places to go where they, they were now being watched or whatever right. the case. And that's why more and more people now have looked at moving getting away, getting yeah. out, because there is something to say, something special about living in the eastern townships or visiting at least and being out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's very peaceful. I just got back from my um, in-laws have a ho hobby farm mm -hmm. in Fort Erie, which is close to Buffalo in the United States, but okay. on the Canadian side. Yeah. And you're in the middle, you know, three, four acres, whatever. You have uh, chickens, you have uh, goats. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's so much, there's activity happening, but not really a lot of activity. No, right. not too many people. Right. There's space. Like you said, there's the sky. You get out and... Everything feels better when you're breathing out there and you're in the middle of nowhere. Whereas here, sometimes you feel claustrophobic, you know? Yeah. But so, so I, maybe that's what a lot of people were feeling. And maybe one of the advantages to living somewhere else, yeah. <laughs> you know, away from the city. Yeah. Well, for us, just I, Montreal was starting to start to feel small. Mm -hmm. Montreal is, is it's great, a, but it's, yeah. you know, in Westmount and downtown. Mm -hmm. And you run for politics, and everyone knows where you live. And yeah. that's <laughs> the thing. It's 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 four point two million people, but very small town mentality. It, yeah. Meaning everybody knows you. Yeah. How does everybody know you when there's so many people? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And so when Dave was was at the end growing more controversial, and uh, people weren't really listening before having opinion, like very strong opinions, mm -hmm. even people who were very close to me, they were they they'd already put him into a box and. Um, that's when, when you can't even have the conversations, you're just like, okay, we're going to go somewhere where we can just reset yeah. and uh, no one knows, no one knows us. Like mm -hmm. we just, I understand that, you know, I, I totally understand why you, you guys made the move and yeah, that's what a lot of people did during that, that time, not to, to rehash it or bring it up, but it really has affected, it's affected me, it's affected you, it's affected yeah. all of us. I mean, there's still a part of me that doesn't wake up any day of the week and not think about it. It comes up. Even yeah. for a second, I think, oh, yeah, hmm. remember what that person said. Or, oh, yeah, remember yeah. what they said. Or, oh, there's somebody walking with a mask outside in the middle of nowhere. It's like instantly triggered. Like yeah. I'm instantly, you know, I have an opinion. I'm like, okay, Frank, put those thoughts away to rest. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> sure. We've been through, been yeah. there, done that. Mm -hmm. But it really does affect you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think it's good, though, to, to talk about it and to rehash it. And people, it's like also, <laughs> yeah. you know, moms, they talk about their childbirth <laughs> a yes. lot. And they go through and they like visualize it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, therapeutic. So I think talking about it even wherever you were on the, during uh, the, the pandemic, it, people's opinions changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's okay. It's better <laughs> to speak and to talk about it. Yeah. Than to not be allowed to share your opinion, which is something that we couldn't do. Yeah. And now I think more and more people have figured out, you know, I always have my phone ringer turned <laughs> off and now for some reason it was on. Um, now see, I lost my train of thought. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. A second. Uh, where was I going? Were you following me? We were. <laughs> 
The Brain. Mysterious. Yeah. So, The Brain Coloring Book is available on Amazon.com. One, one of the things that, as I got distracted, and now, who knows, throwing me um, in a different direction, but one of the things I wanted to ask you that I try to do, and I don't know how important this is for the brain, mm -hmm. but to me, I read a book many years ago, decades ago, that helped me out very much, mm -hmm. called The Power of Now. Yeah. You know that book. I've, I know it. I haven't read it. Eckhart but he, Tolle, I think. I think yeah. A Canadian. Yeah. If I'm not, oh, no. He lives in Vancouver, but is originally mm. from uh, Europe, I think. And, uh, and what I find, at least for my brain, because my brain is very bizarre. It's either not working, <laughs> meaning <laughs> tranquil, yeah. or it's going 100 miles an hour. And sometimes I go to bed at night, put my head on the pillow, and whoa, the thoughts are just, mm. you know, and... And I find I need to do a lot of in-the-now activities. Like for me, those activities are golfing in-the-now. Yeah. I don't think about anything else for four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Poker, because of the mathematical aspect to it, I don't think about anything else while I'm playing it. Yeah. I'm really captivated in the moment. How important to you is being in the now? Oh, for sure. These types of activities where you can disconnect and almost, you know, for everyone it's a little bit different, but it's almost like a meditation where you can uh, disconnect, get rid of those thoughts. You're only, fo you're, you're focused for that mm -hmm. period of time on something that's not, you know, about the list that you've made in your head that you have to get done is you're just going to focus on finishing these goals. I feel, I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. I feel so much better. Even like a podcast is like this where you're, I was just going to say that we were completely focused till the phone rang. Yeah. And then that I was <laughs> like, ruined the now oh, because I was literally real life. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's even like, like coloring is an example for some people where they can get into or coloring or crafting for a lot of people, the knitting, um, crochet, whatever, sewing, painting, drawing, all of these activities. Everyone, it's going to be different for everyone, mm -hmm. but figure out what it is for you that gets you out of <laughs> your own head. Your own head, because we're in our own, we're in our yeah, head a lot. And I would say for that, the book I would recommend is Chatter by um, Ethan Cross. Okay. Fabulous. For me, it was that. a really great book. Chatter by Ethan Cross. Has this yeah. book been out uh, a while? or? Yeah, a couple, uh, at least three or four years, uh, maybe three years. Uh, we interviewed him on the Curious Neuron podcast. Oh, nice. And uh, he's a, a psychology professor, University of Michigan, I think, and talks about, uh, I heard him give a talk, and he's talking about like listening to you talk to yourself, like all the chatter that's going on. And I hadn't really appreciated it, and I was walking down the street, and I'm like all of a sudden tuning into what I'm saying to myself, and it's incredible. It and is. then you can be like, <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want to say that anymore. It's almost like you're, yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're torn. You're a spectator in your own Yeah, head. but it's happening. Yeah, your listening. chatter is, yeah, is constant. True. Chatter, yeah. chatter, chatter. So if you can just identify it and be like, okay, I'm going to bubble that up and I don't need that chatter right now. And mm -hmm. listen to your, to what, what level is it? Is it negative? Is it positive? Are you talking nicely to yourself? Is your chatter what, how you would talk to a friend of yours? Or is it, um, is it very negative? Are you constantly in this um, chatter of, of negativity? So mm -hmm. I read that. I can't, yeah, lots of, it was, it was very mind opening for mm -hmm. me. So I would, and an accept, very accessible read too. So 
Sam Harris was my favorite neuroscientist before I met you, and now uh, Marion uh, has become my favorite oh. neuroscientist. I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. One, because uh, I'm Sam not political. Ha- yeah, well, and, and Sam Harris has a little TDS and uh, and CDS as well. You know, he's uh, anyway. Uh, so you're my favorite. You're yeah. at the top oh, of the great. list. Uh, so, so you've surpassed Sam. I don't know if that's a compliment, but uh, I really appreciate you being on the Drive By Podcast. I learned a lot about uh, the brain today, which is the coloring book, which is available on Amazon, Amazon yeah. by uh, Marion Van Horn, PhD, very smart, and Maria Zamfir, yeah. PhD as well. The Brain Coloring and Learning Book Volume One. Will there be a Volume Two? I would imagine. Absolutely, uh, volume, it's coming. Why would you I, label it yeah. Volume One? <laughs> volume One, Volume Two is coming out in the spring. It's going to be about touch nice. and pain. So how your brain processes um, touch, what is pain, and then some very uh, superficial <laughs> ways to think about how to uh, address pain and pain management. So we're working with actually the McGill Pain Center mm-hmm. and um, the Quebec Pain Center, and they kind of collaborated with us. So it's uh, we're excited about it. May I recommend also that uh, you go back to uh, if if you maybe just put it on on pause for now, doing a podcast. You're very easy to listen. I have my headphones on, oh. so I hear your voice as well. Very nice <laughs> to listen you. to. And uh, I think you would uh, you would definitely captivate an audience. If You're going to be doing it again? or uh, pod- uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you should do a podcast. Yeah. On a, everybody and their dog yeah, does a podcast. Yeah. Well, but that's I think, the, that's but, the thing. But I think you could find like a, a, a niche. Yeah. And with the many things we discussed today, I think you're, you're great. And I think maybe even having... Uh, co-host maybe like i don't know if maria or someone like that i think it would be very interesting to have somebody have a different spin on neuroscience that's what i'm right now i am doing a lot of data collection okay (laughs) i am looking on instagram podcast youtube and i'm just really like what's out there already Mm -hmm. instagram twitter it's flooded it's really like Instagram. I've just I don't know, I, I I can't. <laughs> it's just very short information, superficial. A lot of people saying the same things, and I think I'm kind of done. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to post here and there, but it's it's really it's very hard to grow. People don't share as easily. Like yeah. Twitter's easier to grow and reach more people because mm-hmm. you can share. Uh, YouTube, I think, is still. Uh, good but you have to reach your your people mm-hmm. you also have to focus less on on numbers mm-hmm. we have a family podcast uh, youtube channel did you know that oh, i think i did come across that at some yeah, point yeah viva family oh my yes. god he, dave is going to kill me if i don't tell you his fishing story <laughs> sorry <laughs> this was almost over yesterday he sends me a video yeah. so he's he's in florida i'm here alone and he's fishing with ethan and he catches your son yeah so he catches two fish Actually, I'm not even sure if Ethan was there. I don't know where he was. He seemed, I think he was alone in the video. <laughs> he catches two fishes, so then he starts the video. He said, oh my goodness, I just caught two fish right in a row. This is amazing. I think I'm going to catch another fish. And, you're gonna, and he throws his, his line and he, he reels it in. He catches another fishing rod. <laughs> and so he's pulling his, and, and he goes berserk. Like if you've seen him in his non-political um, videos, he just goes crazy. Oh my God! I've got a fishing rod. <laughs> <laughs> and he brings it in. It's like this old fishing rod that's kind of uh, disintegrating, but he thought that was, yeah. he, he texted me. He said, this is amazing. No one's going to ever believe me. But I'm like, I actually, I was watching it. I don't even think I believe you. It looks pretty fake. <laughs> 
But he, he posted that video on um, Viva Family. Viva Family. Okay, so, we, so that's we, your family channel. That's our family nice. channel. We um, are not that regular, but once in a while, if we go on a vacation or something, we will post some aspect of it on Viva Family. So. Thank you so much, Marion. I Thank really appreciate you. it. I hope yep. you come back again on a future episode because I really enjoyed Volume learning more. Two. About vol- <laughs> well, yes, exactly. The brain. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. It. Great. Thanks for listening to episode 167 of the Drive-By Podcast. It is sponsored by Les Delices Lafrenet, voted top bakery and pastry shop in Montreal. Best of? There's a reason why they hit that list a lot. It's because they are that good. Simplement délicieux, as they say in French. Simply delicious with five great Montreal locations, including Brossard on Tachereau. It's Les Delices Lafrenet. Just under 10 days to get hooked up with this great deal at Baton Rouge Grillhouse and Bar. Their barbecue pork back ribs and creamy potato soup duo for only $30. It's a full rack of their signature barbecue ribs. You could also check out one of their 29 locations and go to batonrouge.ca to see which one is the closest to you, including their newly renovated and expanded store, Complex des Jardins, St. Catherine in the heart of downtown Montreal, Centreville. It's Baton Rouge Grillhouse and bar. If you enjoyed this podcast, please five-star it on Spotify, comment, or review on Apple. Check out any of the past episodes with guests on YouTube, including this one, episode 167, also available on YouTube right now. I'm Freeway Frank. Thank you so much for listening. Ciao for now. The Drive-By with Freeway Frank. The Drive-By Podcast, brought to you by OwnSpace.